Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. All alive and well. Thanks, Maisie. I'm just going to take this over here. Um, it's been such an amazing, like um, Laura was saying, like, you know, our week has six days, right? But six days before Sunday. But I would say Sunday is like the, it is the day that we don't want to miss because it's our Sunday, like how we celebrate together that strengthens us, prepares us for the rest of the days that we could face. And even though like today we're together, but on our Monday we may not necessarily be together, but when we go into our workplaces, we're not alone. We are part of something far bigger than ourselves, far bigger than our workplaces, and that when we, when we go into our work, we're actually going with the people that are sitting next to us, because we are the family of God, and wherever one goes, we all go. And I love how um, pastors Kevin and Cheryl, they're, um, they're not here with us this morning, but they're in different areas of Scotland ministering, and while they're going separately, they're not going alone. No. And like James said, we're all behind them, we're supporting them, and where they go, we go. And as the leaders, they break through so we can take on more ground. And we're taking on ground with City Hearts. We're taking on ground in, in influence of council through Red Frogs and other things that we're doing as a church. The best days of this church are ahead of us. And as leaders, we break through, but we don't break through alone. We break through together, we go through together, and together we enjoy all of what God is calling us to. And I love that, and that's what we believe is in the church. And it's really um, one of the things behind what we're doing in this new series, which we've called The Extra Mile. The Extra Mile. And and it's because God doesn't have extra, he doesn't want extra from us. It's that we realize that God actually has extra for us. God has extra for us. If we are in Jesus Christ, we've already given him our lives. We cannot give him any more. We cannot give him any more than our whole lives. But but he has extra for us. And when we fully devote ourselves to him, he is fully responsible for clothing us in power, clothing us in righteousness, blessing everything we put our hand to. It's because when he, we give him our all, he gives us his extra. His extraordinary grace, his extravagant love that just does not know any sort of ways of exhaustion. And that's what we enter into. And it's from this um, scripture in uh, Isaiah 11, um, verse 2. And this is about, um, it's a prophecy about Jesus. And it's how he, um, Isaiah is prophesying, this is what Jesus is going to do. And it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears and skip down to verse 10 and i love this and in that day that there will be a root of jesse who shall stand as a banner to his people for the gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious this is talking about um we just celebrated easter this is talking about that savior This is talking about that Jesus, this Jesus who we all have access to because he stood as a banner for his people so that when he died, all died, as Pastor Kevin said last week, and then we can all be raised to life in him. He stands as a banner. In other words, when we look to him, people see the him in us. And we're transformed, and through the next seven or so weeks, we're going to be exploring 
the, the spiritual um, values that, that comes with what God gives us in his extra mile, which is different from our extra mile. It's, exactly. His yeah. is extravagant. His doesn't know any end. And it's just blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And I'm, gonna, I'm so excited to start this series. Pastor Kevin is starting this series in um, Inverness. I'm going to start it here this morning. I'm going to be spending the most of my time in, cha- in John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 13, sorry, 13. And um, if some of you are familiar with scripture, this is predominantly around where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. A little bit nasty, but let's go through with it. (laughs) So in John uh, chapter 13, this is, you know, I've had such um, affinity with the book of John. It was the first book I read in its entirety. And, you know, after I was baptized, I got a real passion for Jesus. I want to know more about him. Like, who is this Jesus that saved my soul? I want to, I want to, I want to know all about him. And I wanted to, I set myself a goal of reading the gospels and I want to start in John, just do a chapter a day. But that whole night I just read from one to 21. I was just captivated by this Jesus. This Jesus was so different to what I heard in school. This Jesus was so different to how society says God is. This Jesus was so different. I was so captivated by this. But he does something quite astounding here. And I'm going to read from verse 12. And then, then we're going to get into it this morning. Is everyone good? Yeah. Everyone on board? Yeah. Right, it's going to be fun. Verse 12. <laughs> so when he, Jesus, had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you not know what I've done to you? Sorry, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent is greater than he who sent him. If you, do not know, if you, do, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, I read that in New King James, but... If you want to read this through in the message, um, it's just, I just love how it's worded here. Um, and it's from verse 15. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. The servant is, servant is not ranked above his master. An employee does not give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. Live a blessed life. Jesus, regardless of how we may think our lives have gone, Jesus wants a blessed life for us. No matter how we feel, no matter what week we came in, Jesus wants a blessed life for us. So my message this morning is entitled, The Perfect Pattern. The Perfect Pattern. Jesus has outlaid a pattern for his disciples. He outlaid like a modus operandi, like a standard operating procedure of how we operate or how his disciples ought to operate. And and it's something I believe that is going to unlock so much keys for us this morning. And the thing about patterns is we we all have patterns. Like, no matter how spontaneous or, um, or organized we feel we are, like we all have patterns. And when, when, I, was a, when I was a kid, I, I had a pattern that I, I just never liked to be the one who, had, you know, who didn't get the last word in. 
I, I never liked to be that person who, you know, was, you know, like they, somebody did something to them and they had no comeback. I was never that person. And, uh, and, and I, I took on so many different battles that were like, just like from the, from the get-go, just a losing battle. Like I was like seven or eight and my brothers were far bigger than me, but they would, and then they would, you know, overpower me. But then I'd be, I'd be like, that's, that's not happening. Um, but like, they're my big brothers. I couldn't do much about it. But um, particularly Chris, he was the worst to me um, and uh, some of you may know him but uh, he's actually I think my personal thought is because his little brother who's my older brother was stronger than him all the way through his growing up so I think he just exacted his revenge what he couldn't do to William he did to me and if he's probably listened to this he'll probably message me and agree but 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 the thing is he I, I just had I always had this rivalry with him because he would he would do something to me and, and I wouldn't be able to to take being beaten I remember one time I was just uh, he was playing football in the field in my house and and I was just like you know like from just like the receiving end of a hiding so I was just like he's in playing football with his friends like nothing happened and his little brother is crying and hurt so I'm just grabbing some rocks and I'm just launching them at the, and then there's, these are big stones and even now I'm surprised how he can manage to throw these things and his brother his mates would say to him like your brother's nuts but but it's just like I never like to be on the other end of things, and that was a pattern that I had. And and uh, another one, um, it's just um, one of my best mates. He recently got married, and uh, um, he, I've known him for oh goodness, over 25 years, and so he's known me through all this sort of um, period of my life. And there's one time we're walking home, and and uh, he's going to a different school from me. So we, I kind of take this massive detour, it's like for some reason we did. Um, if you can imagine it, Queen's Cross. Um, and then we live over here, but we were just walking around towards like Great Western Road, then coming back in. So it took us like over an hour to get home because we just went past everyone's houses. But um, but then so I, then I was um, walking home with him, and one particular day he does this really disgusting thing, and he's like, and I'm walking, and he's like spitting in the ground in front of me, like that's disgusting. Like what are you doing? And he kept on doing. It. He's like, oh, I'm not spitting on you. It's like. All right, okay, and I'm and I'm thinking like if you knew me back then, I was very smart and creative, and especially with the art of revenge. You know, they say revenge is the, the dish best served cold, but slow cooked revenge. How many people know slow cooking is awesome? So I'm just thinking I'm going to get him back. If he's going to spit on me, oh, I'm going to spit on him. But it's not going to be any kind of spit. So like, how can I do this? How can I do this? And we get to near Broomhills Primary School, and there's these uh, eucalyptus trees. All right. Bingo. I've got it. So then I'm eating these, I'm biting these eucalyptus leaves and, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and I'm eating these eucalyptus and, 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 it, and then for, I must have been doing it for like five minutes. So if you imagine, no, he has at me, he comes at me with his saliva and with a spittle, but I come at him in the name of eucalyptus combined with my saliva broken down by amylase, if you know your biology. And it's just like, this is great. So, and I'm thinking, he's his back is to me and we're walking down the road and, and he's like, he's not going to see this coming. <laughs> all over his back, all over his new jacket. And he just stands, he's just like, what has just happened? He's taking off his jacket and I'm 100 yards down the road, like, I win now. And it's like, and he's examining this. And to this day, he's now 33. This happened when he's about 11, no, 12. And he still brings it up and I guess so do I. But, but here's the thing, like, sometimes we don't realize the power of pattern. 
like we have patterns and maybe your pattern may not have been as devastating and as gross as what I just described but we all have patterns that sometimes we do not fully see the implications of now Jesus here explains a pattern he explains a way of operating and he says in verse 7 I think it is he says you don't understand what I do to you now but you will And what he's talking about here is that there's something beneath the pattern. There's something beneath what we experience. There's something beneath what we see. There's something beneath how we live. And this is thing called principle. Behind every pattern is principle. And you see this all through scripture. You know, I've had, I've had um, conversations with, with many people and, um, you know, discussing things like um, tithing, things like circumcision, things like Nazarite vows and what the Bible says. And then it's like, have you ever seen the, um, the Michael McIntyre sketch of how you use a five pound note, a Scottish five pound note or ten pound note in England and the kickback you get? And it's like that. Somebody just comes up and is like, wait a minute. That's legal tender. (laughs) And it's like in each of these conversations, I've had somebody come up and they'll say something like, wait a minute. That's not New Testament. (laughs) Or we're not under law. We are under grace. (laughs) And while in a sense that may be true, what we often miss is that there's a principle behind the pattern. Everything we read is a principle behind the pattern. And this Extra Mile series, there are many patterns, there are many things that we do, there's many things that God has entrusted to us, but behind these these patterns, there is a principle, which is how we understand how it works, how we understand how we can move in the Spirit. It's, it's It's all principles undergirding these patterns that we live in. So what is Jesus trying to establish when he's talking about, hey, wash your neighbor's feet. If I've done this to you, your servant, sorry, your master, your teacher, then you ought to do it to one another. So what is this principle that we can learn? Well, Jesus, he adopted the position of a servant. He was somebody who let aside his deity, his rights, so that we can become one with him. This is a principle he operated that. And this is something that helps us as believers enter into what Jesus is trying to demonstrate. And it's this. It's that we choose service over status. We choose service over status. And in verse um, 4, um, it says this. John um, 13 verse 4. So... Jesus, they were sitting down. This is um, the Last Supper, <clears throat> which goes on for a few chapters after this. And he, and he is about to now, um, he knows it's his time. So now he's going to give this um, Last Supper. And now um, in verse 4, he's, after he sat down, he gets up. He, um, <clears throat> he takes aside his garments um, and takes up a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them. And with a towel he had girded himself, he then cleaned them with. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, you're washing my feet? And Jesus answered said to him, what I do, doing, you do not understand now, but soon you will after this. He took on service over status. 
Service over status. Now, what we don't understand sometimes is that when we serve, we bestow value. And this is, this is in this time, to understand how shocking this was, to, to understand how, how somebody like Jesus could wash somebody's feet. You know, we, we, don't, we can glaze over that in this Western culture because we operate predominantly out of um, guilt and innocence. So somebody breaks the law, that's why they should be punished. And they operate out of this, if it's illegal, you don't do it. If you do it, you should be punished for that crime. But most of the world operates out of honor and shame. And this is about the person. It's not about what they do, it's about the person themselves. So Jesus himself was a rabbi. And a rabbi would by no means lower himself to tend to the needs of anyone outside of their own, their own um, synagogue and in a way that's, that would be redeeming. Like in terms of, like they had their own special seats. They had their own state, like they had their own um, robes that separated them. But so the, so the idea that Jesus would take off these robes and be at the, like I'm just at James's feet here and wash his feet this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, why would somebody of high st- stature just start doing the dirty work of, like, a servant or a, a slave would do and clean someone's feet? Why would he do that? Because Jesus was secure enough that in his status, he can still serve. Yeah, so good. As believers, we have to be secure enough in our status, in how we are, in everything that we are, that we can still be a benefit to someone else. Who we are is irrelevant compared to who God made us. And if we operate how God made us, we are empowered to minister to other people. Ministry is simply serving. In other words, if, as, you, as a minister, you benefit the person sitting next to you. The reason we can have good Mondays, good Tuesdays after a good Sunday here is because we've ministered to one another. We've served one another. Now we're empowered. We are equipped. We're encouraged to go into our Tuesdays and not feel like our Thursday or Friday is going to weigh down on us. But rather we can elevate. We can be elevated because somebody served us or rather we serve someone else. And this is what Jesus says when he says the last will be first and the first will be last. He was talking about himself, but he's also, out of extension, talking about all of us. He's pulling down the Pharisees' false honor system and saying, if you want to be great, serve your neighbor. If you want to be great, understand that what you've got is a tool, is a key to multiply and to influence. You don't don't have Lord's status over people like the governments and and all these satraps and they did back in that day. No, you don't do that. In other words, you actually use what you've been given to elevate someone else. And in that elevation, you'll find that perspective shifts. So he was challenging the disciples in this point. He was saying, I, your Lord and teacher, serve, serve you, wash your feet. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like in our context? Well, it looks like if you are um, going to a restaurant, you know, tip decently. Buy somebody's meal. 
you know, it's, I found it's increasingly, increasingly difficult, a bit easier with youth and adults, but in terms of adults and other pastors and leaders, I find it's really hard to pay for my own meal. <laughs> like, it's just like, I've gone to the toilet or about to get my wallet out, and somebody's already done it, like, five minutes ago. Like, how do you do this? So like, a, like, a, like a Bill picking up Ninja, you know, the card's already done, like, you know, like frisbeed it over the point of sale machine. Like, like, how do you do that? But it's because we operate under the assumption or the knowledge that, It's better to give than to receive. And in doing so, we actually show Jesus to the outside world. We display Jesus in everything we do. We display that we're actually functioning in the revelation of God's Holy Spirit in us when we serve. Because God's not a respecter of persons. So when he equips us, it's so that we can be a blessing to others. So we can be a blessing in our families and actually multiply and influence as well. That's a principle that Jesus adopted and he was sharing is that choose service over status. Because status can do so much, but when you serve, it gives power to the status. Second thing is Jesus chose, he chose cleansing over criticism. Cleansing over criticism. Verse 8, it says this. When Peter is, as Peter does, having an argument with Jesus. Like, he's doing this thing and he's having this back and forth, just not getting it. And he's saying to, to Peter, like, you shall never, Peter says to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. So Jesus answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You won't be a part of what I'm doing if I don't wash you. So then Simon Peter, he, he ups the ante. He's like, well, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And it's just like, well, he who is bathed needs to only wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Jesus is choosing cleansing over criticism. Now, like, um, I remember when I was about maybe third year in my French class, me and this, we know one of my uh, schoolmates, we, were, um, we, we noticed there was an odd smell in the room. <clears throat> and as odd smells go, you will think, <coughs> excuse me, um, you think, where's that coming from? What, what is that smell? It smells like, smells like dog. I looked down the table and quite rightly enough, there was, there was dog poo and it was attached to um, the feet of one of our other schoolmates. And, uh, and, what he, and he didn't realize he had it. And he spent the class just like, you know how people fidget in their chairs and stuff. And his was, he liked to like rub his feet in the, the, the chair legs. So he's just smearing it on these chair legs. And we're just like, we think it's like the funniest thing as you would at 15. And it's just like, and he just had no idea. And then the French teacher picked, picked up in this and, and then just like the sent him out of the room to get cleaned up and got a new chair, of course. But, but the thing is like, I've, I've found it so enjoyable, so satisfying to just sit there and criticize what he hadn't noticed. You know, I find that a bit strange how, it's so comforting sometimes to criticize. You know, is just, you just stand back and just say, oh, I don't like that. I wouldn't do that that way. And, you know, I don't like what that person's wearing. And, like, have they seen themselves in the mirror? Like, and it's like, uh, we, it's, it's, uh, there's something comforting about it. I don't know what it is. Like, Proverbs says it's like, you know, like gossip. It's like more, it's like choice food. It's, I don't know what it is but about it, but it's just so much easier to stand back and criticize. What I find about criticizing is that we're not part of a solution, we're part of a problem. We prophesy a problem rather than, rather than make the way for the solution. 
So Jesus chooses cleansing over criticism. He didn't stand there and have had this back and forth with Peter saying where he was wrong and pointing back to the places about himself in the scriptures and expounded them to him and to say why he was wrong. He didn't say that. He just said, no, if you've been clean, you only need to wash your feet. What does that mean? What does washing the feet mean? What is this? What's significant to us? Well, washing the feet is, is as you, as they walked in those days, even if they had a bath, even if they were clean and all that, but when they walked from house to house, as they did their work, as they did their, their duties, the dust from the street would cover what they walked on. They would cover their feet, cover their sandals. And so when they went from house to house, they began to develop the dirt that just followed them wherever they went. And as believers, as people, you know, like, like Laura alluded to, you know, we have weeks, we have things that come in our lives, and that is the things that we need to wash off each other's feet. Yeah, yeah you had to work overtime this week. Yeah, I get it. it's okay. Come in. You know, let's, let's, let's take care of this. You're already in Jesus Christ. You're already clean. But here, let me take care of the feet. Let me take care of what you've walked through to get here. And I know that many of us have walked through different things to get to this point. But the good news is we're here together. And together we can walk in this, in this world, in our spheres of influence and workplaces, knowing that we have a team of people, a family of people, that aren't going to let us walk with dirty feet. They're not going to criticize the fact that we stepped in dog mess again. We're not going to be that kind of people. We're people that lift each other up. We're people that encourage one another and make sure if we see a speck, no, we don't, we don't criticize it. We love on them. We shower them in our affection. We shower them in our encouragement. And then in that we do Doing that, we, we live a life of perfection. We actually bestow perfection on people. You know, and this is something that um, I find that, like, we've, we've done, like, um, like, like uh, pre-marriage um, stuff and stuff, like, things like that over the past. And it's, it's one of these things that people, um, we often go to the, you know, Ephesians 5.22, wives, you know, respect your husbands and all this sort of stuff. But then we don't, we forget the, the, the key principle, which is the verse before that. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As Jesus did these things, that's why we do these things. And it's out of reverence for Christ, we clean one another. In 526, he says, washing each other with the water of the word so that you present to yourself a glorious church. So you have my permission to be selfish in what you present to yourself. If you see something in someone else... Don't point out that failure. Don't point out that shortcoming. Wash them with the water of the word. And in doing so, you present to yourself a good friend. You present to yourself a good brother. You present to yourself a good church. When you wash the, when you wash the feet, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what addictions you succumb to. That is nothing compared to the power of the love of Christ in your life. I wash that from you now. And I present to you someone whole in Jesus Christ. I present to you somebody filled with the love 
love and spirit of God. I present to myself someone who is beside me on the front lines of the spiritual battle. I do not, so I do not see the fault in you because Jesus doesn't see the fault in you. Jesus sees the person he created, the person he died for. He sees these things. And when we wash away that dirt, that stuff, that junk, that they wouldn't choose again if they wanted to. But if we wash that stuff away, present to ourselves somebody that was born in the image of God. This is a church. This is a community. This is what we're a part of. Where we wash each other, restoring perfection. We, in this place, are perfect. We are perfect, made perfect by the love of God and the, and the power of the cleansing work that he did on the cross. And then when he died and rose again, we rose up to a new life. So we don't have to worry about how we walk through and, oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to show my feet. Like, no, don't worry about that. Just let the word just wash you clean and you will be perfect. This is the perfect pattern that Jesus has established for us. When we wash away each other's disappointments the dirt of the world. We live in perfection. The extra miles, the extraordinary life that God has called each and one, each every one of us to, where we don't live stained by our past. We don't live stained by our fear. We don't live stained by our insecurity, but we live perfect, cleaned by the word of God. And there's an undergirding principle, which I'll close with here. If I can have the keys up, please. Thanks, Andy. Is that Jesus also chose, he chose command over circumstance. He chose command over circumstance. In verse 10 and 11, it says, Jesus said to him, he was bathed needs only wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. He washed all the disciples' feet, including Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Think of that. Somebody who helped your enemies get the better of you. And Jesus wants you to wash their feet? Jesus wants you to serve them? Jesus wants you to cleanse them? Because this is what Jesus did. Jesus washed the feet of somebody who was going to betray him. It was in his heart to betray Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, who knew no sin. It was in his heart, and Jesus still chose to clean his feet, to wash the insecurities, to wash the fear, to wash the dirt of the world. He chose to do this for someone that was going to be the responsibility of why he went to the cross. Wow. What power. What love. What amazing grace that somebody who he knew was going to sin, he washed the feet off. That Jesus, he doesn't even look at our past sin, doesn't even look at our future sin. He doesn't look at the sin that we're going to willingly do. He looks at who he created. And I'm going to wash his feet. He chose command over circumstance. 
because he understood this, that underneath all these things was the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord that he had that enabled him to love with a kind of love of sacrificially, of sacrificial nature, of of, of regard, of complete disregard for somebody's actions or what they've actually purposed in their heart. He had complete disregard for that and says, I'm going to love regardless. Why? Because I choose command over circumstance. And I don't know if you're like me sometimes where I sometimes filter, you know, the commands of God through the circumstances, you know, like how I'm feeling. Like, I don't feel like putting my hands up today. I'm just, I'm just a bit heavy, you know, like I don't feel like, I don't feel like saying nice things. You know, I just, I'm just not feeling it. I have to be true to who I am. Have we heard that before? I need to be true. Like, I don't, I don't feel like saying good things today, but, but God says to choose command over circumstance because it's not in your circumstance. It's the command of God that has power and privilege over your circumstance. You're not limited by the week you had. You're not limited by the you're not limited by your personality. You're only limited by how, how you're willing to work with God and understanding that he is so supreme over your life that you don't have to fear your work. You don't have to feel that you're inadequate, inadequate because in your inadequacy, he brings his extraordinary supremacy. He brings his extraordinary ability through the power of his spirit. You don't have to live underneath your circumstance. This is what we as a church believe. This is what we gives power to the words that we speak. That we speak and prophesy over whatever it may be. That your command from God is to speak these things into existence. That he watches over his word to perform it. That he is not weak to, or he's not, his arm is not too weak to save. His word is not too weak to deliver. But when you operate by the power of his word, your circumstances become like, like mountains become like wax. These things just fall before you. They're not about to, they're not supposed to define you or to defeat you because it's the power and the fear of God operating in your life that elevates you to live the extra mile life. This is a pattern of perfection that we walk this love and in doing this, this is how we prophesy. This is how we evangelize. It's through the love of God in us. John 13, 34. And I'm going to finish here. This is my final finishing. And he says here, a new commandment I give to you. What? New commandment? Command over circumstance. Let you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? To the end of his life. He loved us to the end of his life. So if we're alive here today, we can't outlove God. <laughs> we can't do it. Verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is grace of gifts. And it comes from God. God is love. It is his nature. If you know God, you know love. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you allow him to demonstrate to you and demonstrate through you. This is the love of God, that he gave himself for us. Love gives. And that is who we are as a people and as as Christians and 
as disciples that when we are operating in the love of God, we're operating in a command that supersedes every kind of wrong, every kind of sin, every kind of shortfalling we may have, every kind of insecurity. It's this love that washes us clean. It's this love that serves us and elevates us. When we feel like we're the lowest of the low, serving brings us up to the top of the top. When we feel that people, oh, people are going to say things about me. I don't like how, how, how I do these things. No, but when, when we cleanse, when we allow his love to cleanse us, it elevates us. It, it refines us. So that we look in the mirror, we don't see our insecurities. We won't see our fears. We don't see the things that we wish were different. We see a child of God. We see someone that Jesus died for. And we choose command over circumstance. We will realize how much we have already been given. Let's stand in this place together. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.